everybody. Tom Merritt here. As always, I do an editor's desk. Often only people in the Patreon at certain levels get it, but I want to share this one with everyone because I just got a sneak peek at something that I think is incredibly instructive for understanding the technological world around you. When you wonder, why do people do that on Twitter? Why do people pick up their phones so often? Why do I like this or that app? I think that the series World's Greatest Con is going to shed light on why otherwise reasonable people do things that don't seem particularly reasonable. Brian Brushwood, of course, is the host of World's Greatest Con. So, Brian, can you explain to people what this season of World's Greatest Con is? Uh, Well, for those who missed season one, we told the story of Operation Mincemeat, an allied initiative in which the creator of James Bond had an idea super outrageous that got filed away in a cabinet. Years later, it ends up being this machination, this global con against Adolf Hitler, of all people, that uh, turns out, spoiler alert, to be rather successful. Uh, For season two, like, how do you follow that story? And... I personally love the world of TV game shows. Uh, I, I have tried multiple times to get on them. I've, I've gotten very close many times. Um, but along with that, as we explored this anthology of five episodes, we started with one very simple question. And I guess I shouldn't go too far into a detail since we're probably going to take a listen to it. But we learn about uh, social pressures, the bizarre flaws in our wetware that are unpatchable that can be manipulated by both good actors and bad actors. Good actors in the form of good design, as uh, if you've read the book Nudge, uh, you know, about behavioral economics, uh, bad actors in the in the form of cons and scams. And um, uh, man, I, I kind of want to hold back, Tom. I know this is in every way the exact opposite of what you asked me to do. But uh, but I guess let me just promise you that season two of World's Greatest Con, uh, which sounds like it's going to be sensationalist and wild, and maybe there's some of that, but there's a significant part of it that is a meditation on our cognitive biases and why we do the things we do and what malicious so- actors can do to take advantage of them. What, what I would tell people is uh, Brian has been nice enough to, to let us share the first 12 minutes of the first episode. Uh, so listen to this first 12 minutes and, and understand that when I decided that we would do what we're doing right now, I listened to what they did on politics, politics, politics in order to hear how they set it up. And I couldn't stop. I just ended up listening all the way to the end of the 12 minutes because I was fascinated with the way Brian tells you and brings you along so that you know, like, oh, I would probably do the same thing. Or maybe I'd like to think I'd do the different thing, but I'm not sure I would because now I see what Brian's talking about and why people do these strange things. So enough from me telling you that. Listen to these 12 minutes and I think you'll get what I mean. This is World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood. All right, it's 1957 and 200 people are getting pulled into a grand jury. They're all told the same thing. Tell the truth, you'll be on your way. But if you lie, you are going to be indicted on federal perjury charges. And these people aren't just anyone. We're talking about lawyers, professors, active military, respected individuals, people with a lot to lose if their reputations are tarnished. And fascinatingly, 
one by one, these individuals go to the grand jury and the overwhelming majority lie. They commit federal perjury. I mean, maybe it's some money, right? Money's got to be involved somewhere. Would they lie for the money? Maybe it's a grand conspiracy. They're all in. If one person cracks, everything comes down. A cult? I mean, hell, that'd make more sense than the truth. Because the truth is, the real reason is something elemental in every single one of us. Something hardwired into our brains. All of us have a relationship with this. And it's a con man's job to exploit it. I'm going to tell you an epic story about fame and shame. About how our desire for one and the fear of the other can eradicate your morals. Reduce you to a pawn on somebody else's chessboard. But before we get to the heavy stuff, let's understand this phenomenon in a safer sandbox, a realm without any victims. (laughs) Okay, this will be a weird segue, but have you ever been to a stage hypnotist show? Sometimes these shows are like at a Christmas event for a corporation. Sometimes you'll buy a ticket on the strip in Las Vegas. I always see them at these college freshman orientations. It's the perfect activity to get people to reveal stuff about themselves. In fact, put yourself back there. You don't know anybody. You don't know how any of this is going to go. But you do know that you want to fit in. There's a thousand other people in this packed, charged auditorium. You're excited. They're excited. You want to know them. They want to know you. Out walks a guy, an authoritative suit, who explains to you that only one type of person can be hypnotized. Smart person. Somebody smart enough to exactly follow directions on cue. And no, you won't lose free will But yes, you will experience something that you will remember for the rest of your life. And then comes the first part of how stage hypnosis works. He asks, who here in this room would like to be hypnotized? This feels like a very small moment. It's not. It's the most important moment. The reason it's the most important moment is because you are self-selecting for compliance You are entering a contract. You are saying, I am ready to play. So you and 45 other freshmen go running up to the stage. You all get in a line. And what happens first is a very small ask. The stage hypnotist says, I want you to imagine you're getting very, very hot. Oh, what must that be like to be very, very hot? And of course you are hot. You're under a bunch of heat lamps. You're on stage. You're next to all these other sweaty bodies. You just ran a hundred meters to get up here. After a few minutes of this, the language changes just a little bit. Now he just says, now you're getting cooler. But you know what he's talking about, right? I was hot, now I'm getting cooler. Of course, of course. Also, by the way, you are actually getting cooler. You worked up a sweat while you were up there on stage. Now all that sweat is starting to evaporate. You're getting cooler. So you begin to shake and shiver, cover yourself. 
And all the while, he's quietly eliminating people. Now, he doesn't say elimination. What he says is, if I tap you on the shoulder, it just didn't work out. So it's not really a punishment, but you know what you want. You know you want to stay up there on stage. You want to keep going. We hear directives and sleep. And we know while we're up there on stage, what he means is act as though you just went into a slumber. Collect your thoughts. And you begin to watch as stranger and stranger things happen around you. Always happening to other people. Something amazing is about to happen. Person I'm touching right now, only the person I'm touching right now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you a question. And when I do, you will be unable to remember the number seven. And when he asks you to add together four and four, you say eight. It's like, great. So you must have eight fingers pointed up. Go ahead, count them. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, what else are you going to do? And meanwhile, the audience is loving it. The laughter, the applause. I mean, you think of yourself as an introvert. You've never experienced anything like this. But right now, the attention is on you and you are in full-on flow state. It melts all of these decisions about whether you're playing along or just following instructions. They all get blended together. Choices become instinctual. At the age of 18, a freshman at college... You've probably never experienced anything like this before. All you know is that it feels awesome. And when this dude tells you something to do, you do it, everybody claps, and you feel great. And then, 40 minutes into the performance, he says to you out loud, You are Britney Spears. And you have a choice because the hypnotist didn't lie. You do have free will. You could do anything you want at any moment. But you also know that of any two options, you want the one that's less painful. And in that moment, it would be more painful to stop the show, to say, this has been a wild ride, but I'm afraid I'm outside of my comfort zone, I'm just going to head on down back to my seat. What's less painful is that you are Britney Spears. Every sexy bump and grind, touching your body in ways that you wouldn't even do alone in the bathroom. Everybody cheering, screaming, it's an ecstasy of improvisation that you have never experienced in your entire lives. Good God, the whole world stopped and shone a spotlight on you. It's calorie-free fame. There's no way you can lose. You'll be rewarded if your dancing is good. You'll be blameless if it's bad. The reliability of these reactions to fame and shame, that's what allows stage hypnotists to make a living doing this. Yes, hypnosis is a real phenomenon, but stage hypnosis is a different animal. And everybody on that stage were acting the way that they did for fame. The folks that stayed up there the longest did so out of fear that they would be eliminated 
and the shame that would come from that. Last season, we explained how common con man tactics were used to defeat Hitler of all people by the 20 committee. So this season, we'll do one better. The biggest scandal in television history, the downfall of the TV quiz show, 21. 21 is so popular that a winning contestant is an instant celebrity. Overnight, they're a household name. And along with that comes money. Money that you can use for yourself and your loved ones. But as it broadcasts, what tens of millions of viewers at home don't know is that most of the winners are in the process of making a deal with the devil. Each of them are crossing an ethical line that'll eventually eradicate their reputation long after the fame and the money are gone. All in the service of producers who are playing a much more high-stakes game. If you were told you were about to make more money in one night than you'd make in an entire year, that everyone in your block would hail you as a hero, that you could have a future in television, all you had to do was step in line and play along... All you had to do was cheat? What would you do? Don't say it out loud just yet. First, put yourself in a soundproof booth on live national television with 50 million people watching and answer this. How many points would you like to play for? Cons don't fool us because we're stupid. They fool us because we're human. And this might be the world's greatest con. Ah, okay. I can't believe that we have to stop there because I want more. Brian, how do people get more? Uh, yeah, if you haven't heard season one, it's all up. Just uh, type in world's greatest con on literally whatever podcast you're, you're using. If you want to do the ad free thing, of course, there's a Patreon. Uh, but uh, uh, season two launches 228 and you guys are going to love it. Patreon.com slash greatest con if you want the ad free journey. Thanks, everybody. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.